Well, today's message is about showing up. And the best way to develop your prayer life is through practice. So we hope that you'll take advantage of all the opportunities we're providing for you. Uh, be sure to utilize the prayer room before or after the service. You can light a candle on behalf of prayer concern or someone else that you're concerned about. We hope that you'll take advantage of the prayer gathering on Mondays and the prayer walking that was displayed in our video. We hope that you'll sign up for the prayer vigil for a Good Friday. We uh, will give you plenty of resources to make that 30-minute time slot just fly by. And also keep remembering to pray at 228 every afternoon until Easter, our prayer initiative. Uh, if you don't have that, there's cards available at the Welcome Center afterwards. Uh, or you can sign up for the Noblesville First app, and that will, prayer will come to you automatically every day at 228. Well, our purpose in this season of prayer is to try to expand our understanding of prayer so it becomes more than just crisis intervention, more than just turning to God when, when we got a problem, but that God becomes that companion that's there with us at all times so that he has a better shot at transforming our lives and by joining us together, transforming this world. The first week we talked about mountain-moving prayer and made the point that prayers are answered so much more because of God's greatness and not because of how great our prayers are. Last week we pointed out that we should begin prayer with the majesty of God as it's taught to us by Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. And then you get to the mundane, the everyday parts of our life. We lifted up the image that Jesus provides of the vine Jesus is the vine, we are the branches with the purpose for us to produce fruit on behalf of others and for this world. This week, I'd like to try to dispel the myth that our prayers require a certain level of purity or expertise in order for God to answer them. Now, I had experience a week ago that kind of describes this in a small way for me. Uh, my daughter, Kelsey, and husband, Matt, came up from Evansville. They had a wedding to attend here in Indianapolis, and so I got to watch three-year-old Cohen and just a couple months old Fletcher. It was a lot of fun. We had a busy day. We went to Connor Prairie, a couple other venues. So by the time we got home and it was time for Matt and Kelsey to go to the wedding, uh, we were kind of tired, and so we decided to make it a movie night with Paul. So... Cohen remembered that One, our two, TV three. service offers some movies that they don't have back home, and she remembered one particular movie, and he wanted to see it again. So we sit down, and I'm going through the remote, and I guess that movie's no longer featured by our service. So yes, I had to explain One, to two, Cohen three, four, that that five. wasn't yeah. going to be possible. Of course, he wasn't too happy about that, but we started scrolling around. That movie was about an animal, so I'm looking at every movie possible. It's got an animal in it. And it keeps saying, well, what about this one? No. What about this one? No. What about this one? No. I think he thought it was just going to magically pop up the movie he wanted to have, and regardless of what Papaw said. So finally, I came across an American Tale. And I don't know if you remember American Tale. It's a Spielberg movie. It was one that my daughter watched all the time. I remember her singing that song, Somewhere Out There Beneath a Pale Moon Blue Sky, Moon Sky, whatever, something like that, right? And uh, I said, Cohen, you've got to watch this movie. This is your mom's favorite movie. Well, he wasn't going to have any of that. And he didn't get his nap. So he starts stomping around the house. And I figured, you know, I could be here all night. I just started the movie. And I thought, I'll see what happens. 
So he's still pouting. He throws himself down on the couch, pulls the couch pillow over his head. He is not going to watch this movie. And then I notice every once in a while, he'd just kind of pull that pillow up and he'd peek at it. It was starting to sound kind of interesting to him. But as soon as he saw I, was, I saw him, he put his head back down on the pillow. And finally, he gets up, sits up on the couch, and he starts washing. And by the time the movie's halfway over, he's come sitting over by Pat Paul, and we enjoy the rest of the movie. And the next morning, I overhear him saying, Mom, Mom, I saw your favorite movie. Now, I wonder if that's how we feel about God sometimes, that either because we don't feel good enough, God's too distant to even care about my prayers, or maybe because we see what's going on in the world, we wonder, is, is God really there? Do my prayers really make a difference? When all the time, God is constantly working for our best interest, continuously, whether we realize it or not, and sometimes the evidence just isn't always suggested, God is there for us. What I notice is that sometimes, some churches, some preachers, want to suggest to us that our prayers don't get answered because something's not right with us. In fact, I came across a website. I won't name the church in this website, but I saw a quote in it that reflects that perspective. In nature, everything works according to set laws. It is the same in the spiritual realm. God acts according to laws. So often we get discouraged and believe that prayer is useless when our prayers do not get answered. However, the actual reason is that we have not fulfilled God's laws, which are a condition for prayer. And then he went on and had a list of seven laws of prayer. The law of the pure heart, the law of the forgiving spirit, the law of the right motive, the law of faith. That you have to pray according to the will of God, praying in the name of Jesus and praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe there's some truth in that. And certainly there are scriptures that suggest that, that God does listen to the righteous and, and that there is sometimes judgment for those that are working against God. Matter of fact, the theologians of the First Testament suggest there's a name for that. They call it the Deuteronomic strand of theology. And even as you read some of the prophets, they believe that the exile of the Israelites was, was because they ignored God's laws. But you'll find even in the First Testament, there's that book of Job that was written to balance out that thinking. Because it's not always true that good things happen to the righteous and bad things happen to those who are evil. And Jesus came along and, and balanced that even further by saying to us that God makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. My problem is that that God doesn't have to conform to our laws, especially in the mystery of our spirituality and in prayer. You can't tie God down. We pray for wisdom. God can't be tamed. And our attempt to try to make these into laws and or rules that God has to follow is our attempt to tame God and somehow bring them under our control so that we know what we have to do and what we can't do. Doubt your goodness. But that's not the way God works. You know, if God only answers the prayers of those As who are without sin, then no prayers will be answered right. Relationships and prayers depend on mercy and grace of God, always working in our interests, just like I in Cohen. 
good example is Psalm 34. The Lord's eyes watch the righteous. His ears listen to their cries for help. But the Lord's face is set against those who do evil to eliminate even the memory of them from the earth. Okay, I don't know what's going on there, but... Are your mercies in disguise? So I'll just talk louder, I guess. When but if you look at that, that scripture passage, and you, you realize that there's something that has to be balanced there, that, pain that even though it sounds like God's choosing up sides in that passage, this is not but why was that psalm written in the first place? It was written to bring comfort to those who are experiencing struggles who on the outside it would appear that God is ignoring them and the promise is there that they will. And even the judgment that's there for the evil is suggested that something's going to happen in the future. Just as sometimes doesn't come what until the next life. What if your blessings come through raindrops? The way I interpret what scriptures like this comes through where people tears? want to suggest there are laws what that are necessary for prayer, I think it's true that we do need to align ourselves with God. To know prayer is there for us to discover God's ways. To make his will our will. And certainly when there's blatant evil in our hearts, when we choose not to forgive, we don't take those steps of trust, we make it really hard for God to bring those good things into our life. We make it difficult for that spirit to impact. And God has so much to offer us when we pray. He can offer us guidance for us to make better decisions. And when we forgive, we open the way for God's forgiveness to flow in us and through us. We become much more aware of that in our own lives. And faith is not eliminating all doubts so that you never have feelings, wondering if God's answering. But faith is being willing to take that next step, even in spite of the evidence. It's about getting on the same page with God. God then works the much more easily in our lives. I think I should so our scripture passages courses. today, I think, help bring that balance so well to our lives. In the Matthew passage, okay, there well, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, ask, if, if we can get and a you little shall more receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Three times, he invites us to pray. And three times, he promises that those prayers will be answered. And the repetition is Jesus' way of letting us know, I really mean this. I want you to pray. And then it says, everyone. That's a very easy place everyone. He says that specifically to make sure that people know that those who are timid, those who are not willing, yeah. or can believe that okay. Jesus can hear test, them. Test, test, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you notice that, that phrase there, it says, those of you who are test, evil, test, one, two, even those parents will do what's best for their children. Won't the Heavenly Father do the same for you? You see, Jesus knows us. He knows we're not perfect. He knows our imperfections. He invites us to continue to pray in spite of all that. And then our last passage. Yeah. This passage from Luke, I have to confess, when... When I read it at first, my first thought is, well, this just sounds like kind of a mundane pep talk by Jesus. Yeah. Hang in there. Keep praying. But, but I, I've learned that parables that are shared by Jesus are often very powerful and very deep. 
And especially if you try to understand how they would have heard this parable in that day, you realize how much Jesus is trying to get across here. You have to appreciate how powerless a widow was in Jesus' day to understand this passage. You know, the word widow in Greek means forsaken or left empty. A woman did not have the right to hold property in Judea in that day. Her testimony was not allowed to be admissible in court. A man always had to speak for a woman whenever she came to court. And widows did not typically remarry. They were left with basically two options. They could either go back to their family of origin to be taken care of, or they could remain with their deceased husband's family where they'd take a subordinate role. In Jewish custom, widows were required to wear clothes that made it very clear that was their situation. They were not allowed to wear jewelry or any kind of ornamentation. And then typically judges. Judges were from that urban elite class. They had a reputation for taking bribes. Certainly they'd be apt to rule in favor of their fellow brethren. And here's where the message comes across in powerful ways for our prayer life. You see, here's a woman who's got everything going against her. No legal rights. Clearly, she's in the right because no one has spoken up to oppose her. She's up against a judge who could care less about her situation, who's probably been bribed or influenced. She doesn't stand a chance. And yet the surprise of the parable is that she won. She won. Do you ever need to hear that when you pray? Jesus says that he told us this parable in order to teach us to be persistent in prayers. And he shared this parable not because God is like that unjust judge, but sometimes the things in our lives seem just as immovable as the situation of that widow against that judge. The challenge I leave with you today is how are you showing up in your prayer life? Whether you're fighting injustice, whether you're facing a difficult relationship or a spiritual obstacle, keep praying, keep showing up. God hears in spite of our doubt, in spite of our mixed motives, God is there working for the good in your life. Let us pray. Lord, bring us to you at your feet with confidence, not in our own righteousness, but in your goodness. Help us to know that whatever we face, you hear, you listen. Give us the patience we need, the persistence we need to keep showing up, knowing that in your time, good things will come. Through Christ we pray. Amen.